0: Uh, a closer look at worship. This is the third part of a three-part series. Now the word worship, young'uns, the word worship means comes from the word worthy. It means to tell God how awesome He is. It means to say, God, You are worthy. And here's another thing, youth. It tells us, if we don't worship Him, how wor- how little value of worth He is to us. The number one reason God created you is to worship Him. Number one. So if the number one reason God created you is to worship Him, you need to learn that, right? Amen. So we've been talking about a closer look at worship. It's as if we put it underneath a magnifying glass, and uh, we're we're just taking... look at it and uh, let me put on my y'all excuse me just a minute I did not do this if I don't do this uh, my screen will lock after two minutes so I'm putting the never button down here on my ipad so that we will not have to worry about that okay now let me get my outline back up again Where are you outlined? There is my outline. Okay, now, with that in mind, let me tell you what we've learned so far. And this is very, very uh, important for you to hop in this message with us, okay? This is what we've talked about this last two weeks. About worship, we first of all talked about the explanation of worship. We we defined it, and we said that worship is a command. It's not something we're like, well, I'll sing or whether or not sing. God commands us to praise Him. Then worship is a verb. It's not a, we call this our worship service, but this is real. I mean, we worship here, but worship primarily is something we do. We come here to worship. We don't come here to look at worship, we come here to worship. Then we said worship is participatory. That's a big word that means this. We all ought to participate in worship. Everybody here ought to sing. Whether you have a wonderful voice like Jamie, or whether you sing like a cow that's giving birth, you're, just don't sing loud, okay? Okay, If you're a Jamie, you can belt it out and carry the rest of us, okay? Worship, everybody in here needs to worship and participate. And then worship must be done in spirit and truth. That just may, means this. You've got to be saved in order to worship. And you've got to worship biblically, okay? And I'm teaching you how to do that. Worship is diverse. Some churches you go into... Hey, youngest, you ever been to a church and it's just like real formal and everything like that? That's okay, as long as those people are worshiping from their hearts. And uh, it's okay to go into a church where people are jumping up and down and doing the tambourine. That's okay, too. You look at all different styles all across the world. God is a God of diversity. If you don't believe that, did you know that God created 800 different types of beetles? And I'm not talking about the singing group. Okay, John and Paul and Ringo and whatever his name, George. He created 800 types of beetles. God is a God of diversity. Then we said that worship is both public and private. It's not just public. Most of us just worship God here. But God says you need to learn to do this every day with me in private. Then we said worship is for God. That means worship is not for me. It doesn't mean, you know, well, I didn't like the music today or we sung some extra verses I'm not familiar with. It ain't for you, it's singing to Him. Now, then we said the expectations of worship. If we really begin to worship God, what can we expect to happen? Okay? We're going to sense God's presence in this place. Then we're going to, this is from Isaiah, we're going to get convicted of our sinfulness. Then we're going to, be reminded of how God can forgive us of our sinfulness, then it's going to cause us to want to serve God. So that's the expectations. And then let's talk about, a little bit different, the effects of worship. The first thing I just mentioned to you was what we can expect from worship. But then this is what produces in your personal life if you'll begin to worship God. First of all, it glorifies God. It heals our hurts. If you've got an open wound in your heart, somebody's hurt you, maybe a parent, somebody's deserted you, then when you begin to worship Him, it's like God just puts a a salve on your heart and begins to heal those wounds. Then it fortifies our faith. It makes our faith stronger. Why? Because our eyes are on God and not on our little problems. It tells our thanksgiving how grateful we are to God and it protects, gives us peace. Hey, you know what every one of you want? Don't you want peace in your life? Don't you want happiness in your life? You don't want your life to be filled with turmoil and you're always stressing out. Well, worship helps do that. All right, now, so we talked about the explanation of worship, the expectations of worship, the effects of worship, and today we're going to hop in and talk about the emotions of worship, this, this part. Now, uh, here is what happens when we begin to worship God, the, how we will feel on the inside. The first thing is we'll get a sense of awe. We'll get a sense of awe. Listen to what the Bible says in Hebrews 12, 28-29. Therefore, let us be grateful for, for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. See, see this, the United States is being shaken right now. This country is messing up big time. But you know what? God's kingdom is going to last forever. It's never going to be shaken. He says, and thus, because of that, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. When I was uh, uh, pastoring at a church, sometimes they bring the little kids in there to see me, the pastor. And I remember as a little kid, I just looked up to the pastor. He's a special dude. I don't know, understand all about him. May not even know his name, but that guy's a special dude up there, okay? Because of what God's called him to do. And I'll never forget, it was Valentine's Day, and the little ones, these are three and four years old, had made some little pictures for me, and the Sunday school teachers uh, brought them over and knocked on my little outside door to my office, I opened up the door and there's all the preschoolers with their little Valentine's Day card. We love you, Brother Jeff. You know, those are who could scratch or whatever. Um, and there was this one little girl, I'll never forget because I busted out laughing. And she was, she's a little, tiny girl. And she went. <laughs> she was in awe of her pastor. Okay, now, it, it, doesn't the Bible say we're to have childlike faith? And I'm telling you, if we really begin to worship God, God's Spirit begins to move and we just become in awe of what God is doing in our life and in our church. Remember how Moses was out there tending the sheep and he looked over and he saw a bush burning? Now, it it was common for bushes to burn out in the desert, okay? Because it's a hot place and a bush would burn. And so he just happens to look over this bush and it kept burning and burning and burning, but yet it still had green leaves on it. And he's wondering, what in the world is going on in that bush? I'm sure he just stood there for a minute looking at that bush. It was not burning up. And all of a sudden, the Bible said God called out to him from the midst of the bush. And God said, take your shoes off. Because the place you are standing is holy ground. When you understand worship, when you begin and we begin to worship God, I'm going to tell you something. This... Worship service becomes a place of holy ground. Well, we may may worship Him. Now, here's the next thing about the emotions we'll begin to feel in worship. Because you'll feel emotions. There's a sense of joy. There's a sense of joy. Now, certainly there's awe and reverence for God, but there's not this cowering fear. Oh, Uh, It it produces joy. Listen to what the Bible says in Psalm 16 about worship and joy. You will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. What does that mean? When you worship, guess what happens? You begin to sense the presence of God. What happens when the presence of God comes on you? Joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Remember that old song? I got the joy, 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 joy. Y'all don't know it. That was the song that we sang when we were teenagers, and we thought that was a rocking song. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. Okay, listen. Your, your joy tank is going to fill up when you begin to worship God. Don't you want joy? Of course you do. How do you get it? By being popular? By earning a lot of money? By making good grades? No, you get worship. You get joy when you begin to worship God. Listen to Psalm one hundred one through 5. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. The early church, there's a a book in the Bible called the Book of Acts, and it's the very first church. In this church, God kind of made it our blueprint. Before this building was built, they didn't just say, well, let's just put a wall here and a wall there. They had a plan. And God has a plan for every church. It's for Franklin Baptist Church. And the first thing you notice about this ideal church was they were a witnessing church. Man, they were on fire. Robert, they were knocking down doors, telling everybody about Jesus, going all over the place. And the members of the church were sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was a witnessing church, but it was also, if you look at it, a worshiping church. Man, I'm telling you what, they flat knew how to worship. Listen to what the Bible says about them in Acts 2, 46-47. 40, day by day, the church, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And what, look what happens when they begin to worship. they got this joy. And everybody sees the joy in them. It gives them the right and the power to begin to share the gospel. You know why so many people were being saved? It's because this church was a place of joy. And they saw, what's happened to those people? Why are they so fired up? Why are they excited? Why have they got this joy in announcing this good news of the gospel? The greatest now, now y'all see this? I've got Franklin Baptist Church right here, and I use that as an advertisement uh, as I go around. And hopefully, I'll get y'all some shirts too. I even got me a Franklin Baptist Church mask. Okay, y'all see that? You know why I got that? I didn't just get it for the mask. I got it so people see me, and they they look, they go, (laughs) they look, and they see Franklin Baptist Church. And that's an advertisement, and that's good. I think we ought to do those kind of things. But I'm telling you, the greatest advertisement for this church is when people come in here and get excited about Jesus. Get a sense of joy. They come here, I want to go there. I want to experience joy in that place. Matter of fact, I had a friend of mine, man, he was great. He led his church to worship. They were a great church. And you know what he put out on the sign out in front? Happy hour, 11 through 12, every Sunday. Okay? Now, if y'all don't know what happy hour means, that means you get, don't you get free beer, a real cheap beer or something like that? And so, now don't get that kind of beer. Be drunk on the Holy Spirit, the Bible tells us. But I want to tell you something. When we begin to worship God, there's a Holy Ghost bartender who's given out the new wine, the Bible talks, of the Holy Spirit who gives us Joy. Now, there's also a sense of excitement. I mean, we just, we're excited to come to church when we really are worshiping church. A sense of excitement. Listen to what the Bible says in Psalm 122.1. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Wouldn't it be great if we woke up on Sunday morning instead of comatose going, ugh, church. I can't get up this early. Hey, Isn't it true that the best sleep you ever get is on Sunday morning? Isn't it so hard to wake up on Sunday morning? You know why? The devil can lull you into some deep sleep. And he don't want you to get up. He'll give you every excuse. But I'm telling you when we worship and there's a sense of excitement in this place, we don't want to miss it. We don't want to miss what God is doing. There is a Sense of excitement. Now, let me show you this. And we're going to cruise through this. Uh, What are the expressions of worship? How can we express our worship to God? And you know, the first one is the one we know. Singing, right? When we sing, we're worshiping God. Uh, Listen to what the Bible says in Psalm 107, verse 22. Let them also offer sacrifices of thanksgiving. How do you do that? Tell of his works with joyful singing. Remember, it says, I was glad when they said unto me, I'll go in the house of the Lord. You know, a lot of people do, they look mad. I was mad when they said unto me, Let's go to the house of the Lord. Or I was sad when they said to go, go into the house of the Lord. But the Bible says we ought to be glad. When God calls us into the house of the Lord and we're to bring sacrifices. See, we don't sacrifice old sheep and goats and everything like that before they're born. We walk in here and we offer up a sacrifice of praise. That's what God says. The fruit of our lips, singing, giving thanks to His name. Now here's where a lot of Baptists stop. They think that the only expression of worship is singing. But I'm telling you, that is a little tenancy part, if that's a word, of what real worship is like. Now, here's the next thing. We worship God using Scripture. Did you know this morning, I pulled out uh, Nehemiah chapter 9, because it is a worship service in Nehemiah chapter 9, and... And uh, Ezra the scribe is just praising God for how awesome he is. He created the stars. He led Israel through the wilderness. He's been faithful to them. And you know what I did? I read it, but not only read it, I prayed it back to God. I was worshiping with Scripture. Did you know that the God gives you a whole book in the Bible that will help you worship? It's the book of Psalms, which means, not palms, as Joe Biden said, but Psalms, that devoted Catholic. Who don't know how to pronounce Psalms. Anyway, so uh, anyway, sorry, I had to have fun with that, whether he was Republican or not. It's just funny to me. All right, so God gave us a whole book in the Bible called Psalms, and it helps us to pray to God. Let me give you one example. Uh, I just opened the Psalms here, just right here, and here's what it says He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High, that God, will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. So here's what I can do. I can take that and make that a praise to God. God, I want to thank you that there is a shelter. You are the shelter most high. God, I thank you that I can hide underneath your shadow. God, I praise you. God, that you can cover me. I will say to the Lord, my refuge. God, I praise you. That just like when the tornadoes of life and the struggles of life, God, I can run to You and You're my fortress. God, You're the God in whom I trust. God, I trust You. I praise Your name that You're trustworthy. See? God gave us that Psalms. You you probably need to read a psalm every day and just start off. That's a good place to start off uh, worshiping God. Listen listen to what... uh, Nehemiah did, when he got the people together, he says, uh, he read Ezra the scribe, read from the book of the law of God from the first day to the last day, and they celebrated the feast seven days, and on the eighth day there was a solemn assembly according to the ordinance. When he began to read the word of God to them, guess what happened? They got fired up. They wanted to worship God. Can I tell you what will make you want to worship is if you begin to read the word of God every day. It'll just make you want to worship. Now, here's another one. Now, the, uh, we Baptists have a little tr- trouble with this. Now, believe it or not, y'all doing pretty good in here. When you see somebody do this, raise their hands, I don't see any of you or anybody telling me, what are they doing raising their hands? Are we becoming a Pentecostal church? Now, now there you go, there you go. Now, back in the 70s, young'uns, back in the 70s, long before you were born, I was born in 1966, so I remember the 70s. And there was a group of people, you've heard of Pentecostals or Charismatics, and they began to go around really fired up, raising their hands, jumping around. You've heard people jumping their pews. Well, some of them, I'm sure, did that, okay? And they became really fired up about worship. And... Uh, And they would speak in tongues, and a lot of them became very militant about, you got to speak in tongues, you got to speak in tongues, or you're not full of the Holy Spirit. So they just went to this extreme, and you know what happened to Baptists? Baptists looked at that, and they're like, their fire has become wildfire, and we ain't going to do that. And Baptists swung to the other extreme, where we were just the frozen chosen. And we just sang real traditional and nobody was emotional. Hardly anybody said amen. We swung to the opposite stream. But here's a good thing that I've seen. Since that happened, we began to slowly come back to the center of this, biblically. And you know, I'm really not a hand raiser, but I'm telling you, when I get fired up about worship... I can't keep this hand down. It wants to go up and praise the Lord. That's what the Jews did. Sometimes they would get on their knees and hold their hands up to God. The Bible says we're to praise God with holy hands. Listen to this in 1 Timothy 2 verse 8. Therefore I want the men and women in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands Without wrath and dissension. That means this. You can't be mad at somebody and cause them problems in the church and say you're worshiping God. You ever seen somebody, one of the worst snakes in the church, and they're up there singing in a gospel quartet. They're violating that verse. Don't you sing when you're wrong with God. Don't you sing when you're causing disunity in the church. Raised hands. Listen to what the Bible said back in Nehemiah during this worship service they had. Then Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, that's worship. And all the people answered, Amen, Amen. You know what Amen means? It means so be it. That's right, preacher. That's what we'd say today. I agree. They raised their hands. They raised, listen to what it says. All the, all the people answered and said, Amen, Amen. While lifting up their hands, they bowed low and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Now, here's another one that we Baptists used to freak out about. We'd see those Pentecostals would start going, what a mighty God we serve. And we'd go, "Mm." okay? All right. The good news is now we kind of come back to the middle. And I want to tell you something. It's okay to clap your hands in church. Not just applause. Now, that's good to applaud people. That encourages them. But we're clapping to the Lord. Listen to what the Bible says in Psalm 47, verse 1. Clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. So it's okay to clap our hands. And not, I mean, you know, just sometimes after a song is over, whether Jamie sings it or a soloist sings it, if we get fired up, you know what we are do? <laughs> Worshiping the Lord. Hey, we can take a lesson from John Hagee's church. You used to see old Big John Hagee? Uh, he helps me because he's bigger than I am. Okay, And he's a short little guy. He's like a Sherman tank if you ever watched him. Anyway, he'll be preaching and getting along and like that. And he'll get through a point and everybody will go, amen, like that. And he'll go, give the Lord a hand, give the Lord a hand. That's cool, okay? Even though his theology is a little bit different from mine. So we can do it by clapping. We can do it by shouting. Well, I'll never forget, I, I went to a, a mega church. And the preacher, man, he's fired up. My favorite preacher. Anyway, uh, they had baptized, I mean, ten people. And he got up there. I was sitting on the front row. And he was way up on the stage. And all of a sudden, he walked up scared me to death. He went, Hallelujah! About that loud. And I went, Woo! Okay. You know what? It's okay to do that. It's okay to do that. Just shout to the Lord. The Bible says, shout unto the Lord, the voice of triumph. I knew if you were asleep, youngins, I woke you up right there. All right. Now, and you adults. Sometimes you need to shout. And then here's what they did. Uh, They bowed. Sometimes when you worship God, you just need to get on your knees if you can get on your knees. And God understands that. Sometimes when we pray here, we need to get on our knees. We need. If you can't get on your knees, we can. We need to lean over on the pew, put our heads down and bow and worship with God. Then they're speaking. David said uh, in First Chronicles twenty verse nine. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole church, the assembly, saying, saying, not singing, saying, "Praised be to you, O Lord God of our father Israel." From everlasting to everlasting. He spoke a word of praise. And then here's another one. And we're going to get more intense as we go along. Instruments. Whether anybody sings or not, if somebody's up here and they play a guitar of worship, that's good. Can I tell you something? We also did as Baptists. All of a sudden, the charismatics brought out their bass guitar and their electric guitar and the drums and you know, they were getting with it. And uh, here we are as Baptists, we're like, and so we go over here, okay? And we think, here's what most Baptists believed at that time, and I don't think a lot of Baptists think, they believe that the only instruments that are sanctified by God are the piano and the organ. Anything beyond that is a sin, okay? And when they see a guitar out there, they're like, it's of the devil, you know? But, But listen to this. Listen to what the Scriptures said. Psalm 150, verse 3 through 5, and he's telling them how to worship. Praise him with the sound of trumpet. Now, how are you going to praise God with a trumpet if it's real low and solemn? I mean, that's going to be loud. Okay, right, Mariana? Okay, all right. And it says, praise him with the harp and lyre. You know what that is? Stringed instruments. Is a guitar a stringed instrument? Absolutely. It's a wonderful, wonderful way to express your love of God. Praise Him with the tambourine. Praise Him with the strings and the flute. Praise Him with the clash of cymbals and resounding cymbals. cymbals. You know what that means? I think sometimes that when we sing, we ought to sing a song that's kind of cranked up a little bit, right? Right? We need to rock and roll in the church, okay? We need to sing and clash those cymbals. I would love to see us one day, God may this be true one day, that we have us a little band over here. A, a little, somebody playing a little bass, somebody playing a little drum, it won't be too loud. And maybe a little trumpet or, or whatever. Somebody playing on a keyboard, you know, you can play on a keyboard and it gives it that violin kind of sound or different things like that boy, how much more it would add to the worship of this church if we began to do that. Now, if I hadn't got you really freaked out, some of you real traditional Baptists know, watch this one. It's in the Bible. I can't help it. It's in the Bible. Dancing. Now, so far, I had all of you. But when I mentioned dancing, it's like, dancing, dancing, all the way over here. We don't want none of that, but you know what? I don't think a lot of Baptist churches are still over there yet. They're kind of like, they're trying to get there, okay? Now, when it's dancing here, when the Bible says, praise the Lord for dancing, this is what it says. Praise Him with the tambourine and dancing. Praise Him with the strings and flute. Now, the Jews, man, They dance. You you look up Israel dancing and you'll see them a lot. Oh, that's not the word the song they sing to, but you know they get with it with their dancing. That's okay. Gail and I were invited by some college girls when I worked at UCA to come to their service. I knew they was charismatic, and you know what they did? They had these little flags banners. That's what it was on a stick. These banners, and you know what those girls did? They walked among one another, and they were kind of doing that. And you know what? That's biblical. We, we, I, I don't know if we'll ever do that here. You know, uh, but but it, I said, there ain't nothing wrong with them doing that. Doing a little dance to the Lord. Now, that, when we say dance, we're not saying that you go to a honky-tonk and go like that, that kind of dancing. That ain't dancing for the Lord, okay? That's dancing for your flesh, right? Dennis, we're talking about dancing unto the Lord. Now, here's the final thing. The effectiveness of worship. All I've talked about today, you may be going like, well, that sounded pretty good. I want to do that. But it ain't going to make a difference unless you learn how to do it right. Here's, here's how you do this. You start off with a surrendered life. You, you just give your whole self to God. The Bible says it this way in Romans 12. Paul said, I urge you, I beg you, brethren, by the mercies of God, all that He's doing, present your bodies as a living, holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your appropriate worship. Amen. This morning as I knelt and read that word of praise, I said, God, I surrender you once again. You have my house. You have my car. You have my iPhone. You have my iPad. You have my MacBook. You have everything in my life. It's all yours. It's none of mine. God, my heart is yours. Fill me with the Holy Spirit of God. And I surrender myself to Him so that when I sang, my worship was effective. A surrendered life. Then here's another thing, a cleansed heart. God, is there anything I need to confess? Anything I'm holding on to? Any idol in my life? Any bitterness in my life? God, I want to get it out so I can worship you. Listen to what it says in Psalm 24, 3-4. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? What does that mean? Who may stand in His holy place? That is, who can go and really worship God in His presence? Only He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up His soul to an idol or swear by what is false, a cleansed heart, then a renewed mind. Listen to what it says here, Colossians 3.16. Let the Word of Christ, that's the Bible, dwell in you richly. See, most of us the only time we get the Word of God during Sunday school or get the Word of God during preaching. The only way you can get the Word of God to dwell in you richly is you've got to read this thing and meditate upon it every single day. At least start off with five minutes. Start off with a psalm. That's the best place to probably start off. Start off in that middle, I mean it's just right there in the middle of your, your Bible. And just read one of those a day and have a little time of prayer. Now teens, you can do that. You can do that in about five minutes. Just start doing that. And you know what it does? It begins to reprogram your mind. Do you know what the cults do? You've heard of a cult? And those people get in there and they begin to sell off all their stuff and they begin to be with the cult leader and they become what we call brainwashed. What it is is the devil gets in there, the doctrines of demons get in there, and it reprograms their mind to where they see the world in a very skewed, crazy way. And they look at their leader and they say, He's God on earth. And they're brainwashed and they're taken captive in their mind. Do you know what this does? It doesn't brainwash you, it washes your brain. It cleanses you. It makes you want to live for Jesus. It gives you a biblical worldview so you see everything through His eyes. It's a renewed mind. And then here's another thing. Now now this is probably my toughest thing. Oh, I will tell you this. It's a focused spirit. we got to focus when we worship. Now, young as you probably figure this out, but I'm a little excited, am I not? up here, I kind of wander around, and even though I may not talk out loud, my mind is always excited. It's always, I think a thousand thoughts at one time. It's called ADD, attention deficit disorder, except I have ADD, okay? It is very hard for me to focus in worship. One of the reasons is I'm thinking about is the song. You know, playing right, is it too loud, is it too soft? I'm thinking about my sermon and I'm thinking about my notes and it's very hard for me to focus in worship. But here's what we need to do. When we sing a song, we need to listen to what the words are saying. We need to sing those words. We need to focus and not be distracted. Now here's the final thing. It kind of leads to this, a determined will. Here's what that means. Listen to what it says in Psalm 22:26: 26. The afflicted will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek Him will praise the Lord. Let your heart live forever. You know what that means? It means this. Sometimes you come into church, you don't feel like praising God. Sometimes you come into church and you're like, it's dry and dusty in my heart you know, I don't feel God in this place. You know what that principle teaches us? Praise Him anyway. Worship Him anyway. Whether you feel Him or not. Here's what I've learned. A lot of the Christian life is you've got to get over how you feel your emotions. You just keep doing the right thing and eventually the feelings will come. You keep worshiping God using those effective keys right there. You keep worshiping God and worshiping God and all of a sudden, before you know it, you've had a breakthrough. And you really begin to worship God. A determined will. Let me just sum it up this way. John Eldred said this, what is true worship? Worship is the act of the abandoned heart adoring its God. Let's bow for a word of praise.